If you've been with us for the last four weeks, then you know that this series is all about exposing the spirit that is working in this world to bring everyone into rebellion against God. This is Nate Dancer with Purity for Life. Thanks for joining us for episode five of our series, Babylon, the Seat of Satan's Power. We've shown you the historical origins of Babylon. Now we're going to bring this home. How is Satan going to create a worldwide rebellion against God? He'll do it much more easily than we could imagine, by appealing to our desires. When I sincerely was like a born again believer when I was 20, like Mm -hmm. I had a past of just giving into, you know, just pornography, self-gratification. But when I got saved, there wasn't much of like a remnant. There's an occasional fall with guilt, you know, I'd feel guilty, repent, come back. But at some point after maybe like a year, year and a half really started to backslide. But there's these moments where like there'd be just the same moments of like guilt, shame, turn to the Lord, cry out. And I'm just would realize like, I think I still do love the Lord and I sincerely want him. But after maybe like a period of time, like nine months, maybe a year, it just kind of started to hit. Like I didn't want him anymore. Every day, Satan is doing to millions of humans what he did to Eve, leading them away from God and into the same condition he is in, alienated from the life of God. That's what's coming up. To start off today's show, Pastor Steve Gallagher talks about the mindset that the spirit of Babylon is trying to establish in the world, in you, in me, in every man and woman alive. Every species of animal life has its own particular quirks and ways. Dogs love to sniff anything and everything they come across. Chickens cackle and pluck the ground. Whales lumber through the great oceans. God's great realm of creation offers a remarkable variety of thousands of different forms of animal life. But the pinnacle of his efforts came on the sixth day of creation when he fearfully and wonderfully fashioned the human being. Evolutionists insist that man is just a step away from apes, but it just isn't true. There's a vast gulf between man and beast. Although other animals have the ability to make various sounds, only man can communicate with actual language. And while animals can respond to their environment, Their decisions flow from pre-programmed instincts rather than the freedom of a rational mind. And of course, the greatest difference between humans and other animals is that man is made in the image of God. In other words, humans have the wherewithal to make moral decisions and enter into an actual relationship with their creator. C.S. Lewis called Earth the silent planet. I think I'd prefer to call it the dark planet. The reason I say that is because of the billions of planets in the universe. To our knowledge, it's the only one that lives under a divine curse. 
It's the only one that is infested with devils. It's the only one that has experienced sin in all of its evil branches. It's the dark planet because it lies in the power of the evil one, the prince of darkness. Humanity was made for light and life, to live and dwell in the presence of God. But Satan led them into a willing rebellion to God by appealing to their carnal desires. This choice to pursue their desires in direct opposition to God's will caused a kind of spiritual exile from the presence of God and drove them into spiritual darkness. This willing rebellion, this choice to pursue our own desires in direct opposition to God's will, this spiritual exile into darkness away from God's presence is the blueprint of Satan's plan for every human being. It is his end goal and the natural outcome of his godless mindset. One could call this the Babylonian mindset, life without God. In Ephesians 4, Paul paints a clear picture of man's fallen condition and the path he takes to arrive there. So this I say, he begins in verse 17, and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. This short passage of three verses is loaded with adjectives that describe the unbeliever's descent into hellish living. Not every godless person sinks to the utter depths of sin described here, but every one of them can be found somewhere on this downward spiral. So let's take a few minutes to consider Paul's description of fallen mankind. He begins this pictorial descent by affirming that unbelievers live in a state of mental, emotional, and spiritual futility. They aimlessly go through life with no higher purpose than to live for whatever pleasure they can eke out on earth. As Martin Lloyd-Jones says, it is a completely empty and vacant life, a life that promises so much and in the end gives nothing in return. No wonder Paul tells us that they have excluded themselves from the very life of God. The life the Lord has for us is an energized life, a clean life, a beautiful life that will go on forever in His presence. But years of sinful behavior has created a callous around the hearts of unbelievers, shutting them off from the life that God alone can impart. They've moved further and further from God, having lost all sensitivity to spiritual matters. As one commentator said, where there is no feeling, there is no pain, and where there is no pain, there will be no impulse for the search of a remedy. Up to this point, every term he has used to describe the fallen condition of man is true of every unbeliever. These people are hopelessly lost, even if they descend no further into the squalid behavior of perversion he goes on to describe. Most don't plumb the depths of this path, but many do. With atrophied conscience, 
they easily glide into a life of shameless debauchery. Paul says that they have given themselves over to all sorts of perversions. Such people, and there was a time I was one myself, have willingly abandoned themselves to the worst types of moral corruption. God did not force them into this lifestyle. Satan did not drag them into it. They willingly gave themselves to it. This absolutely refutes the notion that a sexual addict has been a helpless victim of his upbringing. No, he has sold his soul into demonic slavery by the choices he has made in life. And I can't think of anything more enslaving than the two terms Paul mentions here, sensuality and uncleanness. These are somewhat sanitary terms used by translators to cover everything from lustful thinking to lewd and vile behavior. Such people live for the great God of pleasure. They constantly think about it, scheme for it, and worship it. They go from one pleasure to another, never able to find fulfillment, just an endless round of empty acts of indecency. They are so given over to the pursuit of these filthy habits that it's become like a job to them. Sexual vice can be so addictive that Paul says they greedily pursue it, driven by an insane and insatiable appetite for more and more and more, regardless of what it might cost them. What Paul described was a Babylonian mindset that in one degree or another makes up the collective consciousness of 95% of the world. This is life without God. In the next episode, we'll examine what happens when millions of such people live together, each in pursuit of his own particular brand of sin. The effects of this accumulation of sinful beings dwelling together on one planet have been utterly devastating. Pastor Steve said it this way, this willing rebellion, this choice to pursue our own desires in direct opposition to God's will, this spiritual exile away from God's presence is the blueprint of Satan's plan for every human being. It is his end goal and the natural outcome of his godless mindset. One could call this the Babylonian mindset. Life without God. Satan's plan is to bring us into his godless mindset, not by tempting us toward atheism, but by using our own desires to lead us away from God's life. If we follow our own desires into a lifestyle of sin, this will bring a darkness into our minds and our understandings. We might retain knowledge about God, but we will not know him. Our lives will be, in reality, without God. So coming up, three of our staff members talk through a passage in Ephesians 4 to show how this process worked out in their own lives prior to coming to Pure Life Ministries. So earlier in the episode today, Pastor Steve was talking about Ephesians 4, and Paul writes in verse 17, So I tell you this, 
and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. So I guess when you guys look back at your lives, uh, when you were giving yourselves over to sin, did you see those actions affecting the state of your heart? Can you guys talk about that at all? Probably the majority of the time that I was in like the depths of my sin, I didn't see directly how like what was going on in my heart was affecting my actions. Probably towards the end, when it got to be so miserable and so empty that, you know, I just saw the conclusion of where all my actions were leading me. That's when it like kind of woke me up like, okay, there's more going on here than just wrong actions. Like there's something deeper here. But even then I probably couldn't have articulated like this is my heart. I just understood that, okay, spiritually something is happening. I feel worse than I've ever felt in my life. And I know it's because of my actions. Mm. So that's like, for me, it wasn't necessarily, I wasn't directly associating them, but it was more of like an awareness, like my actions are definitely just becoming worse and worse. And so this shows something about my general condition. So, Yeah, I, I Paul says that like they're darkened in their understanding. And I feel like that's a really, like that's a really good use of language to kind of describe because I, I think similarly... I don't think I equated like giving over to sin at this point and at this mm-hmm. time affecting my trajectory, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to have the perspective to say, oh, wow, these choices mm-hmm. led me somewhere. Yeah. These choices darkened my understanding. Um, whereas now, First John talks about if we walk in the light as he is in the light, mm-hmm. we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Um, and so when I walk in the light, I can see a lot more mm-hmm. clearly. But when I was stumbling around in darkness, mm-hmm. I don't think I saw uh, that. What do you think, Ryan? I think when I sincerely was like a born-again believer when I was 20, like mm-hmm. I had a past of just giving into you know, just pornography, self-gratification, other things like that. But when I got saved, there wasn't much of like a remnant. There's an occasional fall with guilt Mm-hmm. You know, I'd feel guilty, repent, come back. But at some point, I, after maybe like a year, year and a half, really started to backslide. Mm-hmm. But there's these moments where like there'd be just the same moments of like guilt, shame, turn to the Lord, cry out. And I am just would realize like, I think I still do love the Lord and I sincerely want him. But after maybe like a period of time, like nine months, maybe a year, it just kind of started to hit like, it became really clear something had changed, but it took a while for me to realize that Mm. I didn't want him anymore. Mm. And that was like the real place where it's like, I think in that time there was a relationship and it ended. And I realized like that was when the mask was taken off and I realized Mm. I didn't want him. Mm. I wanted my sexual sin. And that was the shock for me. I was like, okay, like I did not realize Despite the word, despite the fact that it says, like, God's not mocked, like, I just, you know, you sow the flesh and reap corruption. Like, mm-hmm. I guess that didn't ring true to me mm-hmm. until I was already way down the line. And I was like, okay, like, these actions 
just as you were saying out of Ephesians, like yeah. brought out by a hardness, but with it, like a deep deception yeah. that kind of came along with it. Mm-hmm. Do you guys feel like you had moments of like clarity where you would come to your right mind? Because I know when we're in darkness, it's like just everything is shrouded and there's mm-hmm. like, we almost like, I think Paul talks, we suppress the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you feel like you had any moments when you were pursuing sin where like you had a moment of clarity, like, oh my word, this is where I'm at. And you kind of just hit on that. Mm-hmm. But like, did you ever have anything like that? Yeah. I mean, what comes to mind immediately was pretty much any time after giving over to sin initially, you know, you have that like fall. And then after mm-hmm. the fall, you see, you know, your sin for what it is and it's empty and it's miserable. And there's like depression that comes in and you're like, why did I do this? Like, why did I do this again? And that for me was a moment of clarity. It was like, I saw my sin for what it was and like the consequences of it. But, you know, before long, the temptation comes back and the feelings come back. And then you're, you know, you're brought to that climax of emotions and then you give over to sin again. And so the more that that happened, the less clarity I had. Like, I remember, I remember moments where further into my sin, you know, I would be at work or in the car or at home and just be absolutely depressed, like so caught up in my emotions. And I knew that something was wrong and I knew that the things I was doing was related to that. But I don't know if it didn't hit me hard enough and it didn't really jolt me Mm -hmm. (laughs) until the point where like Mm -hmm. eventually I absolutely had nothing left. I didn't have rarely ever had any good emotions. I was just flat and at the bottom, like the bottom and everything was just was miserable and empty and lifeless. And it was at that point that I feel like, like the Lord came in and there was a clarity there that like, okay, now do you get it? Like Mm. all of this stuff that you did brought you to this point. And now I'm showing you like, can will you finally take it for what it is? Like sin does bring death and it does bring misery and emptiness. And like that was the biggest moment of clarity for me. So, yeah, it's amazing though that I mean, there's probably a lot of people watching that are in a similar position where maybe they're enslaved to, to watching internet pornography or giving themselves over to other forms of sin, but it just it feels numb. Hmm. Like we're calloused, we're hardened, and it just feels like nothing can change. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's because. We've seared our conscience so much, not irreparably, mm-hmm. but we've just given over so long. It's just like, well, I have tried to, I've tried to change. I've, I've prayed a prayer, uh, almost like, okay, well, God, if you want to, like, you can save me. But then I go back to my sin like 24 hours later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's a real place where people can identify with, like, man, my, I just am overwhelmed mm-hmm. with kind of the the wages of sin. But I, what you're describing is almost like you're walking a, like you're walking a death. Mm-hmm. When I came to the end of myself, it was like I cannot keep living like this. Uh, and you've kind of expressed kind of the same thing. Like I, I, there's just no fruit in this. And I don't know, like, Rai, have you, have you, did you, how did that happen for you where you just kind of like in all of that weight or darkness or whatever, what did it take, if you don't mind sharing, like for, for the tides to turn? For a season, I sincerely fought. And at some point I'm like, okay, like 
God, I can't do this. And at some point, like it started becoming clear to me, like if I keep feeding like mm-hmm. my flesh, mm. that's going to win out. And at some point I lost hope and I was just like, you know what? This is not worth the fight. Because like, I am miserable constantly mm. trying to walk in the spirit, trying to walk in the flesh, trying to be free. Mm. So I actually ended up giving up. And I was just like, you know what? I'd rather just be happy. And once I kind of made that choice and decision, like my heart went cold. Where like at one point there was there was a fight in me, but once I went cold, there was nothing. And that's when it kind of shocked me where I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I can keep making these choices because now I feel like I'm further from the Lord than I ever had mm-hmm. been. Because I just yep. look back over the years. It's like I thought one year would go by, maybe things would churn. Then it was two. Then it was three. Then mm-hmm. it was five. And I was like, okay. I don't know where I am. I don't know how to get back, but now I'm just concerned and I'm not trying to save face. Like Mm -hmm. there's times I would ask for help from people, you know, talk to my pastor. Hey, like I, I, you know, struggling with self-gratification and pornography, but I was never really being fully, like just being fully honest. So once that kind of hit where I'm like, okay, I don't even think I have any contact with the Lord anymore. Mm that's when it was just like the reality hit, like, okay, things have to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We all get to that point eventually where it's like, okay, and maybe that's why people are watching this on the app right now, like they're in that place. But back the train up a little bit, like when you were battling sinful desires, like did you, <laughs> it's a comical question, but did you ever think in those moments, like where does this desire take me? Like, what is the end of the road if I feed this desire? Did you ever, like, did you ever sit and think about that? I don't think I can say that I ever thought about the end of the road that I would take. Uh, I'm sure there were times when the Lord allowed the truth to come in a little more clearly to me. Like, if you keep continuing down this path, this is where you're going to go. But the whole point of, like the self-gratification, it's it's temporal. It's about right now. So all I see is what this desire gets me right now. Hmm. So I'm not even thinking about a year or five years into the future, let alone eternity. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about that. I'm just thinking about how can I get as much as possible right now. Mm-hmm. And so if the enemy can, he did, he kept me focused on that, that point right there. And so I just kept following it to its natural end. And every single time it would just lead me more into death. Uh, so I can't say that I would necessarily ever thought about the end because if I really would have, it would have sunk in, I would have stopped. But somehow the enemy would have, you know, he just came in and he plucked up that seed that the Lord tried to plant in there. Like, this is this is what it's going to be if you keep doing this. Mm-hmm. But eventually, obviously, with that like that clarity that we were talking about earlier, it, it finally hit. But uh, yeah, I don't think I can say that I actually really thought about where it would take me. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking like, same with the consequences too. They were also like the immediate difficulty or pain or anxiety or, depre- or just depression that kind of went along with it was all like here and now mm-hmm. I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. So how do I find an, like something that will relieve me today? Yeah. And there's that cycle of, you know, at least for me, it was like, okay, like I know I once had peace with God, so I'm full of anxiety and depression. Cry out to God try to find relief, don't find relief, end up back in sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was this cycle, but like looking down the road, it wasn't that. But like obviously the difficulty is you hit a place where then you have hindsight. 
Yeah. But that mm-hmm. takes time to build, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If I could sit a 15-year-old down today or a 13-year-old boy or girl down today and say, hey, listen, like self-gratification is a desire. And if you give into that, like that's going to take you somewhere that you don't want to go. That's an awkward conversation. I think parents really like are like, I don't, can I, should I really talk about that with my teenager? Um, but if, if someone would have told me where, where I would have ended up at 30 years old, started back when I was a, a young teenager, mm-hmm. um, totally undisciplined in his mm-hmm. thought life, totally given over to lust in the inner life, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that we think about the end result of mm-hmm. our desires. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like with that, what do you think that says about desires? If, you, if we're living a life that's based on me and what I want now, um, which I think we can kind of see in culture today, but if, if, what does that say about people who are driven by desires? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is being driven by desires itself isn't necessarily a wrong thing as long as they're the right desires, but in my experience, I was just familiar with pursuing the wrong desires and letting them them dominate my life rather than like my affections for the Lord, like my affections for his word. Mm. And so um, like having a desire driven life, if you want to say that, um, I wouldn't say that in itself is a wrong thing as long as the desires are, you know, of the Lord. Um, Yeah, I would say. Yeah. Well, I want to pull that verse up again um, in Ephesians, because I think that's the verbiage that Paul uses. Mm. He says, uh, you must no longer live like the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Um, they're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Mm-hmm. And for me, yeah, there was there was like like sexual lust, but... I was also, I'm a, the Lord's taming my personality now, but I'm a very strong personality. And I think our culture rewards um, people who are assertive, people who are aggressive, take mm-hmm. charge people, entrepreneurship. And there is some value in, in being a hard worker and having initiative and taking initiative and stuff like that. But um, when my life is all about me mm-hmm. and satiating my desires and it's just so opposite of Jesus' example. Mm-hmm. He, Jesus says the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve mm-hmm. and give his life as a ransom for many. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about a life of desire, I just a lot of it is selfish desire. Mm-hmm. And, and again, like our sin leads us to cross so many lines that we would probably have said years earlier, I'll never cross that line. Yeah. I know that's true for my life. Yeah. I'll never do this. Mm-hmm. I would ne- No, I judge people who do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I don't tackle the inner world and the inner desires and just this desire that I will do what I want, I will please myself, and I'm looking out for, like, number one, I'm looking out for myself mm-hmm. first, I think that's kind of a bigger route that Someone who's maybe struggling with with pornography addiction doesn't think about that, oh, actually, this is because I've lived a life that's just been ruled by self. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. 
You know, it's funny kind of looking back on my past with everything you're kind of going there because I can see in that season when I was sincerely trying to fight out of my sin, like once that kind of habit got set and backslid, I could see that the Lord was making it very clear. Like I had to make very concise decisions Mm -hmm. that went against my desires and my feelings but to lean on something that doesn't change mm-hmm. because one moment I can have a burning desire to follow the Lord. Like, okay, I just fell hard. I'm full of like somewhat contrition. I'm like, God, please help me. But then the clarity was, is like, okay, like now it's the time to like take a stand on the word, believe this and act on it and fight through like the difficulty, fight through whatever it is you're feeling and pursuing a life of maturity and discipline. Mm-hmm. where you're choosing to do the right thing yeah. despite the way you feel because you have God in mind. Mm-hmm. And you're not like, as we talked about, like the temporary mindset of like living for your desires today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking specifically like the word, you know, the Bible. I, when I had, you know, whatever experience I had with the Lord, I did not root and ground myself in the word. And quickly what I had gained was lost. And the desires that I had, you know, being young and just, we have a lot of desire when we're young and it's, if it goes unchecked, then, you know, we get into disaster, but I didn't check my desires by the word. And that's a thing for me that now, like, you know, several years later, it's like, now that's been the thing for me. Okay. Obedience in spite of my feelings. Like I have a lot of desires still that are wrong. Mm. And the way I know that I'm going in the right direction is are my desires leading my life or is obedience leading my life? Mm. Because one is going to produce spiritual growth and one is going to produce spiritual decay. Mm. Well, that's uh, part of my journey uh, is like one of the things that I really felt like I needed to do was to memorize more scripture. So I I Mm. memorized this chapter of Ephesians and Paul's next verse says, that's not how you came to know Christ. He's Mm. describing all these other people, they're hardened, they're Mm. callous, they are given over with a continual lust for more. And then he says, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Mm. You were taught in him to put off the old man who's being corrupted by his deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your mind mm-hmm. and to put on the new self. And we'll unpack a lot of that here, but um, I think that first step is we have to put off the old man. Mm-hmm. Um, in your lives, what has putting off the old man looked like for you guys? Well, the easiest thing for me is to look back at what I was doing when I was an unregenerate person, when I did not know the Lord. And the things that dominated my life were a love of music to the point of idolatry, you know, loving relationships to the point of idolatry, uh, being very, very possessive even, just these things that were very unchecked in my life um, that ruled them, right? I still have that same flesh in me. So it's recognizing how those things manifest in my life and then making a choice by the decision of my will by the power of the Holy Spirit to not do those things. Mm. I mean, it doesn't mean that every time I'm going to be perfect, but I'm going in a direction. And so the Lord has asked me to um, stop doing certain behaviors, putting Mm. off thinking Mm -hmm. the ways that I used to think even, 
about you know relationships and people and situations was very sinful. You know, it was tainted by self-interest and by my own desires. And so now I have to, you know, thinking of like 1 Corinthians 13, I have to learn how to love people mm. and put them before myself. But that starts with, okay, not even regarding my own interests as more important than other people's interests. I have to put that off first to even begin to look at other people's needs and see what do they need. So for me, it's very practical of like, okay, like, you know, I have my day lined up and I have this, this, and this thing I want to do, but there will be times where I'll have to put off what I want to do so that I can serve other people and love other people. And God gives me the power to do that. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. For me, you say music. For me, that's media in general. Mm -hmm. And especially, I think, movies Mm -hmm. or even books or even like... uh, a new form of entertainment now is like TikTok and all that stuff. Like Mm. this does not feed godliness Mm. in me. Mm. And so I have to put off these things, these innuendos or these things that want to feed me values that I know are contrary to Christ. And I I just re-experienced this recently. There was a movie that I watched years ago and I remember thinking, this movie is so clean. This is such a great movie and it's family friendly. Mm. And so I like... We were having a movie night, and all of us are believers, and I'm like, yeah, let's watch this. And we're watching this, and I, they're drinking all the time. Mm. And I'm like, what What message? Do, and I'm asking this now. What message does it send? And then, like, there's just sensuality all mm-hmm. throughout. Maybe not what I would have considered, like, X-rated stuff, or, but I'm like, the spirit of the world is all over this. Mm-hmm. And I was totally fine and thought mm-hmm. this was clean mm-hmm. and thought this was not godly, but this was totally okay. And now I'm watching, like, I'm never watching this movie again. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have to take myself by the shoulders sometimes. And I'm like, you're not doing this. And your desires might be whatever, whatever, but you can't do this. Others can, yeah. but but you cannot. For you, no, this is wrong. Yeah. And you have to draw the line there. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a good point, too, thinking about what you just said, others may, but you cannot. Um, As a believer and as a Christian now, that's something, you know, I look back on, and that was not even a principle of my life. That didn't mean anything to me. Like, I just did whatever, and if people were doing it around me, then I did it too. And people that were Christians around me were doing things, watching movies, listening to music, going places. And now that's things we're talking about putting off. That's things that I've learned I cannot do. I can't even open certain doors because Mm -hmm. I know where that will take me because it already did take me there. Mm -hmm. So now it's like I have to make those those hard decisions now because it's going to produce spiritual fruit in my life. But like it starts with putting off. I can't do a bunch of, you know, try to put on and do a bunch of godly things if I'm not even putting off the the works of the flesh. Mm-hmm. So yeah. mm-hmm. what about you, Ryan? I would probably say, honestly, having true vulnerability in my life has been a big thing in putting off, especially when it comes to just mm-hmm. thoughts, lies, and other things that I've kind of just gathered, you know, throughout life is sincerely open up to somebody who can genuinely help me mm. you know like there's one thing of being open with friends but like just probably started with counseling but just even more than that just like sincerely living in the light not even talking about like sexual sin or something like that but just dealing with our thoughts and having someone who's mature who's been there before yeah. and had been able to kind of like come in with the truth 
and kind of come in with the like the motivation of like Ryan, like you have to sincerely do with this. You can't just like pray and hope it goes. Yeah, it's just gonna the thoughts gonna change. Like you have to fight this with the truth. Mm-hmm. But the difficult part for me, just kind of like just how I am personally, like I can be walled off, avoid vulnerability. Um, you know, maybe keep it shallow. I'm struggling. You know, seeing that that's how my life was before. I'm struggling. I fell, and it's like, all right, but what about all the stuff that leads to that fall? Mm. What about everything that has you just like totally far from the truth? Mm. You know, and that was like, and it's still like to this day, it's still fundamental to me, renewing my mind and putting off. And the mm-hmm. putting off is just the way I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Putting off the thoughts that are behind the feelings, and you know, just whether it comes to idolatries, you guys have mentioned relationships, mm-hmm. or like worldliness, or early mindedness, or pursuit of these things. It's like, all right, let's get this out to somebody who can sincerely walk you through it because yeah, we need, I need mm-hmm. people to walk alongside me with this. Yeah. yeah. That passage talks about, okay, you're going to put off the old man. And then Reagan, you hit on this earlier, being made new in the attitude of your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's such a crucial thing. We can't just do one of these three things. We can't just put off we can't just put on, and we can't just sit there and renew. Like, we have to do all three of these. Um, are there any scriptures that have really helped cleanse your mind or put you on a path that, uh, any, I don't know, any scriptures that come to mind that have really helped you? Well, I did mention this earlier, but one that has been huge for me, I mean, it's it's a well-known scripture, but it's very helpful for me because of the life I lived before is 1 Corinthians 13. And because it's very specific about what kinds of attitudes and what kinds of actions we need to do in order to, you know, thrive as a as a believer. You know, my life beforehand was characterized by selfishness, ungratefulness. I didn't, you know, put up with others at all, let alone bear them up and give them what they needed. I just, I was constantly taking for myself. So 1 Corinthians 13 for me, you know, once you've, you're putting off an attitude, an unloving attitude, it's renewing my mind with scripture, saying, okay, I need to be patient with others. I need mm-hmm. to bear long with them mm-hmm. because the Lord has bore long with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to prefer them above myself. I need to do for them even when it's difficult for me and even when my emotions are all raging against that. And that's, that's the thing for me is my emotions have been such a huge, I lived by my emotions. And so now oftentimes that first Corinthians 13 passage goes directly against the emotions that I'm experiencing daily and hourly. And I have to choose, like, I'm going to love this person, not because I feel like it, but because that's what the Lord has commanded me to do. And love is way less of an emotion as it is an action that I do. I actually put someone else's need above my own. Mm -hmm. So yeah, 1 Corinthians 13 definitely is huge for me. I'm just thinking like even in my morning times and the quiet times, um, when I'm with the Lord in the Word, 1 Corinthians 13, studying through that has been really beneficial to me because often what happens is the Lord exposes how I have not been loving, but then he gives me the ability to love people Mm -hmm. through that passage. Mm -hmm. I think to go along with that, knowing that when we are in sin, it's just a matter of time that we start to develop lies or lies just kind of come to us about who God is and what he really is like. Hmm. 
and that's based a lot on our experience. And I'd say if there's specific scriptures, I probably can't go off the top of my head and say like, yep, you know, this verse out of this chapter from this book. But I would say going through the Psalms, going through some of the prophets and stuff like that, where characteristics of God are so clearly shown, especially in relation to man. Mm-hmm. That is, again, like going back to the whole talk of like, what's something solid I can stand on that doesn't change? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And seeing that like, you know, like what Psalm 107 was like, God is good and his mercy endures forever. Mm-hmm. A reason to give him thanks, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, well, what about this experience? What about the difficulties that came, you know, when yeah. I made this decision? Mm-hmm. Or what about when that relationship fell apart and I know like that was an open door for me to kind of like start to feel bitter towards the Lord and start to doubt that he loves me, et cetera, all these things, you know, and it's like looking back at that and realizing, okay, like I feel this way, but part of my renewing my mind is beginning to see God rightly mm-hmm. and dealing with lies on that front. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we put off the old self mm-hmm. and then we're being made new. Mm-hmm. And I love that, that it's, I'm being transformed, Romans 12, 2. I'm being transformed mm-hmm. by the renewing of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this constant process. I'm putting off, I'm being transformed. And then the last part of this, Paul says, is to put on the new self. Mm-hmm. And so, Reagan, you've been talking about this a little bit about loving mm-hmm. others, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I guess this is like the exciting part of like what we've been talking about. We've come out of all the sin, yeah. but we're like not going into the promised land, but we're putting on this new self, mm-hmm. this godly self created to be like Jesus mm-hmm. in true righteousness and holiness. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like for you guys as you're putting on this new man? Mm-hmm. Well, for me, obviously the first thing that comes to mind is the fruit of the spirit because that's kind of the result of living a godly life. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All these things are what flow out of a godly life. Mm. So if I'm looking at my actions daily and they're not exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, then I know I'm not putting on, like I'm not doing what He's asked of me. Mm. And so... For me, it's a lot of times brings me to self-examination because it's like, okay, what areas of my life am I not preferring other people above myself? What areas of my life am I not forgiving? Mm. What areas of my life am I not serving others like I should? And so, you know, this is, I feel like putting on is always the aspect that people get really excited about because they're like, let me, you know, let me put on, let me go serve, let me go serve in a soup kitchen, let me go serve in my church, you know, doing all these things, putting on, it is really important. Um, You know, we, I feel like as humans, we want to do, do, we, we're, we're workers, we like to do things. Mm -hmm. And so I know for me, that's, it's, it's very exciting to be able to do that. But a part of this putting on is, I'm learning that it it cannot be me alone. I I cannot do anything apart from him. Mm-hmm. And so even the putting on like back before my you know when I came to the Lord, I would do a lot of nice things, but it was never I didn't have the power of God in me to be able to do them and do them effectively. Mm. And that's the thing that's been different now. Like before everything was the flesh and that's all I could live out of. But now I can actually do things that please God by His Spirit because I've been made a new creation. Mm-hmm. So that means I can give up my time and it's for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that means I can 
help my brother in his project or something he's working on. Um, and it's actually producing fruit in my life that's mm-hmm. leading me further into godliness. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of just with it, it just takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes time to put off. It takes time to renew. But if that sincerely is happening, and I've seen it in my life, when I'm sincerely repenting of something, I'm sincerely dealing with the thoughts and intents of my heart. And in that process, I'm being renewed. Like putting on is just like, I don't want to say it's just going to happen magically. You know, I don't have to make any like, Mm -hmm. don't have to like take a step in that direction. But that's something I've seen in my life. Like it's just going to take time. Mm -hmm. Like you don't see putting on happening right away. Yeah. For a long time, it seems like you're just plowing and you're plowing, you're seeking the Lord, Mm -hmm. you're knocking you know, God, please change my heart. Please help me to repent of this. I need your grace. Yeah. Help me. I don't understand what I'm reading right now. I'm trying to study and it just like, it feels like it's all intellectual. My heart's not being touched, but this, like the more you continue to seek him and walk it out and live in the light, practice these basic things. Mm -hmm. It seems like it's just like, yeah, it takes time. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you start to realize, okay, wow, like I've changed. Maybe you have one big breakthrough and then nothing happens for a period of time. Like, okay, nothing's changed. But just in my experience, like that's how I see it. It's like slowly but surely it's like, okay, like the spirit is working out Christ. Christ is being birthed in me. Yeah. Yeah. As I take, as I keep taking steps of obedience, Mm -hmm. um, because I feel like someone could take that. I could have taken that back in the day and been like, well, I'm just going to sit, wait here. Yeah. When are you going to make me like you, you know? And so it's like, no, I I'm putting off. I'm meditating on your word and I'm putting on there's usually a, a corresponding thing. Okay, if I'm super selfish all the time and I just care about me and my desires. Okay, the put on to that is Philippians 2. He says, each of you should not look out only for your own interests, yeah. but also to the interest of others. Mm-hmm. So, okay, today I am like, I'm going to go to work and think of like two coworkers and I'm going to go and ask how I can serve them mm-hmm. or I'm going to get them a coffee on the way to work. I- I'm, I'm just going to look out to the interest. I'm going to put off selfishness mm-hmm. and I'm going to put on serving. Mm-hmm. There is a component there. And so we just need to have eyes open, ready. To, oh, look, yeah. Okay. Your word's telling me to obey. I'm going to obey this way today. Yeah. I'm going to put off false and I'm going to speak truthfully to my neighbor, doing all these things. And, and he really is good. Mm-hmm. And wants us to bear fruit. This could very well be one of the most important shows in this series so far. This brings the topic right into our own homes because Satan is using sexual sin to lead millions of professing Christian men and women away from God. Yes, they're still in the church, but they're the walking dead alienated from the life of God and dead in trespasses and sins. They're physically alive, but spiritually dead. The Babylonian mindset has overtaken them. And maybe one of you listening are realizing right now that that describes you. You're in the church, you believe the doctrines, but you don't have the life of God. Your desires have led you far from God and your life is full of spiritual death and corruption. I wish that I could give you a simple one, two, three formula, but I don't have one. 
what I do have is this. I know that Jesus is able to bring you to himself in a very powerful way to bring you out of death and into life and to teach you how to overcome the spirit of this world. That is what he has been doing for over 35 years here at Pure Life Ministries. We're not the only ministry he uses, far from it. But if you need help, we have plenty of free resources, blog articles, videos, podcasts, and more. We also offer biblical counseling programs where you would receive one-on-one biblical counseling from someone who knows how to walk in victory over sexual sin. You can find all of our resources and information at purelifeministries.org. Thanks and God bless. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.